We just saw this video uh, of amazing grace, God making all things new through him. And that's what we're talking about again this week. We're continuing on our series of God making all things new in us and in our church. That's our message for today. And it's about restoration. And if you were here last week, right at the end of the service, we had a guest pastor, but right at the end of the service, we talked about uh, filling in this statement. And it goes like this. I once was blank but now I'm blank. And we saw the actors, or not the actors, those are real people from Salvation Army, the people in the video talking about that. I once was this, but now I'm this. And I want us to be thinking about that this morning um, as we study the scripture. Today, we're gonna be looking at the final interchanges in the gospels between Jesus and his closest friends. This is in John 21. So let's dive right in. Uh, it's right the very last words of John in John chapter 21. If you have, a, have your Bible with you or if you'd like to look it up, it'll be on the screens as well. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 25. This is God's word. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the brothers that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things, who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for this word. Lord, for everything in this service so far. Lord, we give you thanks for our moms on Mother's Day. We give you thanks for Pastor Joseph bringing greetings from Romania, for our college graduates this weekend all over our church, for the choir singing this morning. And we ask through this word, O Lord, now that you bless our hearts, that we would uh, be changed and apply it to our lives to draw closer to you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Well, as we have done some of these recent services, we've put notes in the bulletin, and uh, they're on the left-hand side under where it says notes, and I'd like to uh, draw your attention to some of those, because if you like to follow along, if you don't, that's okay. 
but uh, draw your attention to some of those of what we're going to be talking about for these next few minutes out of John 21. It says here, after eating a meal of fish and bread and being reconnected intimately with seven of his disciples, Jesus calls Peter out and they have this exchange three times. We know that as we looked two weeks ago, we saw that Jesus was reconnecting with seven of his disciples at the Sea of Galilee. And here's the exchange that he has. He says, Simon, son of John, Peter's full name, do you love me? And Peter, we read just a minute ago, says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said in a couple of different ways, feed my sheep. As we study this, we see that Jesus makes the first step of coming to Peter after they have been disconnected. He restores Peter three times, and we'll look back to see where Peter denied Jesus three times. And then Jesus tells Peter to follow me and to feed, uh, feed my sheep. And this is Peter's calling. Peter's not to worry about John's calling, who's writing this, but only his own calling. So we need to ask ourselves uh, not to worry about other people's calling, but to ask ourselves, what is our calling? And when we apply it to ourselves, when we apply it to our lives, we can ask the question, when has Jesus restored you uh, to relationship with him? And what is your calling? Uh, You can answer this question or fill in these blanks. I once was blank, but now I'm blank. Then when we realize God has restored us, we give thanks to God for that restoration, and we go and follow Jesus to fulfill our calling in him. Well, if you were here last week, we heard uh, Reverend Rebecca Mall. She was a guest pastor. She talked to us about Jesus and the fact that when we have conflict, when we have questions, she said that the answer is Jesus. And if you were here two weeks ago, we talked about this passage, John 21, on right before uh, verse 15. And we saw that Jesus intimately reconnected with his disciples after there were some separations. So he had seen them before in Jerusalem. They were back north at the Sea of Galilee, and he had come to them to reconnect to them. And they didn't recognize him right away. So they had a miraculous catch of fish. And when they brought the fish in to the shore, they saw who he was and they came to him and they had a meal there on the beach with him. So soon after the meal, we see this interchange uh, with Peter. And again, it goes like this. Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. One of the first things we wanna look at that in that passage is that he's using Peter's full name. He's not saying Peter, although he's been using Peter for a long time. He's going back to his pre-Peter name. He's saying Simon, son of John. Well, what's it mean for you? I don't know what it means for me. When your mom, you know, on Mother's Day, uses your kid's full name. You know, when my mom would say, Scott Thomas Shelton, come here right now. I knew that there was some sort of problem. Um, The good thing is, that with Jesus and Peter, Jesus is using uh, Peter's uh, full name, Simon, son of John, to reconnect with him, to let Peter know again that he loves him, and for Peter to share his love uh, back with Jesus. Now, the first time he said, do you love me? Uh, Jesus added, do you truly love me more than these? Do you truly love me more than these? Now, we don't know. When he said the word these, did he mean uh, the other disciples that were sitting there around this uh, little campfire and the the breakfast there on the beach? Or did he mean uh, the fishing nets and the boat 
and the fish that they had caught. The idea of fishing, this career, this calling that Peter had in his life, we're not sure. But here's what William Barclay said, uh, a famous Bible scholar. If, if Jesus was talking about um, the fishing, he said, are you prepared to give them all up, to abandon all hope of a successful career, to give up a steady job and comfort in order to give yourself up for my people and my work? Jesus is calling Peter again to give it all up, to give up the life that he knows where he's gone back to fishing again, to come back and follow him, to be his fully devoted follower. Well, not long ago in our contemporary times, there was another disciple of a powerful man who made uh, large mistakes, but had a great chance for restoration. In 2001, Tim Gegline started running the White House Office of Public Liaison, which gave him almost daily access to President George W. Bush, our 43rd president. And Gegline worked on faith-based initiatives in President Bush's White House. But that ended abruptly on February 29th, 2008. A day or two before, a reporter had uncovered the fact that one of Gegline's articles involved plagiarism. And after the word got out and they did some other looking, they found that 27 of the 39 articles he had written for a local paper uh, had plagiarism in them. For Gegline, he said this, this brought on a great personal crisis, great humiliation on my wife and children and my friends, and even humiliation upon the president. He resigned immediately. Gegline was devastated and he was called to the Oval Office. Um, once inside the office, he turned to the president and he started to say, I owe you an, but President Bush simply said, you are forgiven. And Tim was speechless. He tried again. He said, but sir, but the president interrupted him again with a firm stop. And he said, I have known grace and mercy in my life and you are forgiven. Imagine that coming from the president of the United States after you had failed him. After a long talk, a healing process was launched for Tim Gegline, which included repentance, reflection, and spiritual growth for him. And he said much later, political power can lead to pride. That was my sin. But offering and receiving forgiveness is a different kind of strength. That's the kind of strength I want to develop now. We too receive forgiveness from our leader who is much more powerful than the president. And he wants to restore relationship with us as well as he did Peter. But Jesus doesn't just stop there when he says, do you love me? And Peter answers. He says, follow me. And he also says, feed my lambs and feed my sheep. What did he mean by that when he said, feed my lambs and feed my sheep? He could have meant when he said, feed my lambs is to feed the young. He could have meant when he said, feed my sheep is to feed the old, the old. I want you to take care of all of my flock. And we see Peter's role as being one where he goes around uh, the Middle East, around the Holy Lands, and even over into the Mediterranean, probably all the way to Rome, to care for the early Christians in various churches. He became the leader of the early church. He fulfilled his calling uh, to feed the sheep. So Peter says yes in answering the call. 
But first, he had to say, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. William Barclay says this about love. He said, we can prove that we love Jesus only by loving others. Love is the greatest privilege in the world, but it brings great responsibility. Love always involves responsibility, and it always involves sacrifice. Well, I, too, um, send my wishes for a happy Mother's Day. Uh, It's important, and we know that we love our moms. We know that our moms sacrifice so much for us, everything that they do, the shopping, the cooking, the, when the little kids, they're changing the diapers, helping the clothes. Uh, one thing I know is sleep deprivation. Any moms deal with that, sleep deprivation, especially when your kids are young? Well, Sharon Pierce, she didn't know I was going to say her name here today, but she's a mom and a proud grandmom who helps children find homes through foster care and adoption through the villages. And she's a leader in our church, and she often leads prayer here at this service and last Friday, I found out, this is nine days, nine days ago Friday, I found out that she had spoken to our MOPS group, our Mothers of Preschoolers group, more moms. And I was walking through our gathering space a week ago Friday, and they were collecting all these things. There were cardboard boxes. These moms, young moms, were bringing in all this stuff to the church. So I stopped one of them, and I said, what's going on? So she proceeds to tell me that Jen McDonald one of our ladies here, one of our deacons, had spearheaded an outreach to young people who were graduating out of foster care through the villages. So these young people had gotten to the age of 18. They could no longer stay in foster care. They needed to get out on their own. So the MOPS group had spearheaded this effort to bring in all kinds of things, uh, pots and pans, clothes, uh, bedding, non-perishable food, um, new outfits so that they could have job interviews, picture frames, artwork, home decor. They collected it all. They sorted it all in our chapel, and then they took it in many, many cars, they said, to put it in a storage unit so it'll be given out later to to these uh, young people in need. And I thought, here are some moms who are showing what love is, you know, outside of their own children, outside of their own family. They're collecting things for people in need, and they were showing and living out their calling to restore others through the love of Jesus. And I'll go on to say it's hard to understand that God loves each of us, his children, more than a mom, more than a dad, even more than we love our children. God loves us even more and wants to have that restored relationship with us. Now we see that Peter's and John's callings um, are different Peter will be called eventually to die for his faith later in life, while we know that John will live into older age and even write the book of Revelation as an old man. Peter will be the shepherd for Christ, while John will be a witness for Christ through his gospels and the book of Revelation. So it's Peter's call to feed the sheep, to be the shepherd, but it's John's call to be a witness and a writer for Christ. So this is Peter's calling. Peter is not to worry about John's calling, Jesus says, but only to worry about his own. So we too are called not to worry about um, another person's calling, but our own calling. And we ask the question, what is your calling in life? Bible scholar J. Ramsey Michaels says this, everyone who would be a disciple must yield total obedience to the call and command of God, but the call and the command is not the same for every person. 
God tells Peter, as he has for the last three years, follow me, and he calls each of us too, and he says, follow me. Well, at the end of John's Gospels, the last two verses, we read this. John says this, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. When John's saying this, he's talking about himself, first of all. He's saying his testimony is true. He's given great detail and he's gone to great lengths to tell the reality of who Jesus is and that he is truly risen from the dead. These last few weeks, we've been reading from the Gospel of Luke as well. And at the end of Luke's gospel, he shares some of the same story, but he also shows that Jesus ascends to heaven. And then he goes right into Acts chapter one, where he again tells the story of Jesus ascending to heaven. And so next week, when we gather here again, we're gonna be looking into the book of Acts and how God now works with the new church and the new disciples. But before we go today, let's apply John's and Peter's lessons to our own lives. Peter could say this, I once denied knowing Jesus three times in his moment of greatest need, but now I'm restored and fully following Jesus. What about us? What can you say? I once was that, but now I'm this because of God's amazing grace. I know for me what I could say is I could say once, I once was very shy earlier in life, and that's who, part of who I am. But now, I'm getting the chance to tell people about Jesus all the time, and I love it. That's who God has made me to be. So where have you been restored in your relationship with Jesus, and where do you still need restoration? I know that in my future, there's some, still some things where I need help, and I'm not afraid to ask for help. There's some men that I meet with weekly here at the church Um, There's some other men that I meet for breakfast or for lunch different times, and we pretty boldly ask each other for help and to pray for each other. And so I encourage all of you, men and women here today, if you need restoration, if you need help, first go to God um, as Peter went to God. Jesus loves you, and he will care for you and restore you. And if you need more help, go to a small group, a trusted friend. Um, to me or to another pastor or to a Christian counselor. And if you need recommendations, I have some. We all need restoration. Um, We all need Jesus in our lives. Well, in the movie Hoosiers, um, we see restoration. It's the story of a small town team who is able to compete for the Indiana High School Basketball Championship in the 1950s. And there's one important character in the movie, an alcoholic, named Shooter. He's played by Dennis Hopper. And he has failed at many things in his life, but he has a great knowledge and passion for basketball. And so the head coach, Norman Dale, played by Gene Hackman, has worked with Shooter to help him to get sober, um, and along with the help from his son, to get sober, and ask him to be his assistant coach to sit and sit on the bench. Now the head coach, Norman Dale, in this scene that we're about to see, he asked the referee to get him kicked out of the game in order to give Shooter a chance to show his gifts about basketball and to restore him into his role as father and coach. Let's watch this scene.
the boy there at the end who says, you did good, Pop, you did real good, is Shooter's son. And we can see that a weak, shame-filled alcoholic named Shooter did real good because the coach decided he was worth taking a risk on. And in the same way, God sees past our weaknesses. He sees our value and he restores us from our shame and our weakness back into relationship with him. You have been restored because God has forgiven you and he calls you to him and he calls you to follow him wherever you go. So what's our response? Give thanks to God for the restoration through Jesus and to go and to follow Jesus and to fulfill your calling. Let's pray. Help us, O Lord, God, now to realize that we are truly forgiven. Lord, to bring the places in our lives where we have failed, to bring them to you and then to be restored to you. Lord, that you will restore us in the same way that you restored Peter because you love us in the same way. Help us then to follow you, to listen to you, and to fulfill our calling in this season of life for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen.